Aha. It is a wonderful and horrible moment for so many that have experienced it. Aha is defined as a sudden understanding or recognition. It is quite common, but a lot of people don't like to necessarily talk about it. Uh, the the series that we're about to enter into uh, was inspired uh, uh, by a book that I want to encourage you. You can pick it up. The author's name. Uh, we'll send this out on, on Facebook. The author's name is Kyle Eidelman, and it's AHA. And you, if, you, if you Amazon right now with your phone, you can do AHA, and it's going to pop up there, and you can pick up that book. I, I encourage you. It's a really good and simple read, and the author uh, has a great ability to hold your attention. <clears throat> Nonetheless... Uh, The reason why it's so compelling is because this experience is so common to each of us. It's that moment when you realize that you might actually have to study for a test. It's that moment when you said to your wife, "Let let me show you how to cook. Aha! It's that moment when you realize you could be a better dad. It's that moment when you know God's been trying to talk to you and you just can't ignore it anymore. It's the moment when you are suddenly alone because of the decisions that you've made and you know that you've made them, nobody else has made them, And you really wish you could just go back to what life was like a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. Aha. I have spent a lot of time talking to people in the middle of their aha moments. I don't know what to do. He won't listen to me anymore. My family's not talking to me. I just got fired. I've spoken to a lot of people in the middle of their aha moments. And there's an interesting similarity to anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter the size of your family or even if you're married. There are some similar aspects to everyone's aha moment. Uh, It doesn't matter... Uh, how different the specifics are, there are three things that come together in an aha moment. The first thing that has to be present for an aha moment is a sudden awakening. That's the first thing. The second thing that needs to uh, be a part of an aha moment is brutal honesty. A sudden awakening, brutal honesty, and the third and final component, component of aha is immediate action. Sudden awakening, brutal honesty, and immediate action. Now, you can have a sudden awakening, but if you're not honest with yourself, it's not an aha moment. And you can uh, be brutally honest, but if you're not going to do anything about, anything about it, then it's not an aha moment. It's just kind of a ah 
That's it. Now, I know I'm not talking to rookies this morning. I know I'm not speaking to people who are unfamiliar with this concept. I'm talking to people who have been through it. And sometimes more than once. There are uh, a lot of stories in your Bible that are aha moments. Uh, stories that some of you may be familiar with. Um, but even if, I, uh, even if you're not familiar with the story, you most assuredly are familiar with the experience. You've either lived it yourself or you're watching someone quite possibly go through it right now. And you're hoping, you're praying that they will be brutally honest with themselves. Or if they've been brutally honest with themselves, you're praying that they will do something about what they've learned. That they will take immediate action. One of the best examples in your Bible of an aha moment is a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. It's, uh, many of you uh, know it as the prodigal son. Uh, but there, there's a lot that's in, involved in all of that. And um, it, there's, a, there's a beginning here. You can see uh, uh, th- there's a beginning to the story that has to be paid attention. It, lots of times we get to the end of the story and we think, well, oh, that's the point. But you can't necessarily get to the end without the beginning of the story. For example... If I were to say to you, oh, you know, I, I'm talking to you about someone and I, and I spend about 15 minutes uh, explaining the circumstance and the outcome and I say, you know, it's just your classic rags to riches story. You don't get to the riches without the rags. The rags is the beginning. The rags sets the table for every lesson that's going to be learned. It really needs to be understood or only can be understood In those contexts. So when Jesus begins his story. We need to pay attention to the beginning. Because it sets the stage. For how things really come to be. How uh, there can be even a sudden awakening. Can be brutal honesty. Can be immediate action. It's all right there. You know what I'm talking about. Cinderella starts out once upon a time. See if you know the beginning of this one. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right? All right, John, relax. Jesus begins his story in Luke chapter 15 this way. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his estate, his property, between them. The story begins at home. There's a father, and he has two sons. And even though there aren't uh, any, there's really only two sentences and there aren't any uh, uh, explaining paragraphs, so to speak, we are able to conclude that this father is not a poor man. He's a man of substance. How much? It doesn't really matter. It's enough that the younger son says, I know one day I'm going to get an inheritance. And dad, to be honest with you, I don't want to wait for one day. I want my inheritance right now. 
Now, as uh, not yet, uh, <clears throat> uh, the 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 perspective is this: um, for that young man to say that to his father, what he's really telling to his father is, "I want you to be dead." Inheritance comes when? Post-death. Dad, I can't wait. I, I, I don't want to wait anymore. I, 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 I want my inheritance now, and I'm not going to wait for you to die. I wish you'd be dead so I could get my inheritance, but I don't really want to wait for that. So, uh, that sounds so inappropriate. But it's the exact element that Jesus wants in the story. There, <coughs> there are perspectives here. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> there are perspectives here that are awkward. But so is every aha moment. Most of the time, if there's ever been a hard lesson that we've had to learn, it's never necessarily come with a set of smooth circumstances. Easy to understand, easy to fix circumstances. Now, before we go get too hard on this young man, let's clarify a couple different things. You know, I really think when he stood up to ask his dad uh, for his inheritance, he wasn't necessarily saying, Dad, I want to ruin our relationship. I don't think he was saying that. I don't necessarily think he was saying, Dad, I want to mess up my life. I don't think he was saying that either. At least he didn't mean it when he, when he made this request. But you have to ask yourself, why do people, uh, we, we get necessarily why um, they end up, why I have ended up, why you have ended up in aha moments. We can understand, well, this decision came to this con- uh, conclusion, and then that led to this, and this led to that, and so on. And, and, and six decisions later, uh, we find ourselves in an aha moment, but Jesus is setting the stage by describing what's going on. This is a good place. Home seems to be a good place. There's a young man who has family and he has a blessing. He's not necessarily wanting for anything. If you continue on, I encourage you to go to Luke chapter 15 in your Bibles and read the story. It's the third of uh, three stories about uh, seeking things that are lost there. Uh, you'll find a, a man... Uh, uh, looking after, looking for a sheep, and a woman looking for a coin, and then this father looking for a son. So read it in Luke 15. When you get to the end, you find out that this man had livestock and servants, and and so we recognize that he's not just okay. He may be a substantive man, a wealthy man. So this place was not a bad place to be by any uh, stretch of the imagination. So why did he want to leave? Why did this young man go to his father and ask the question that only necessarily gets answered after death? Why did he want to go away? Why did he want to leave home? 
Why is it that we want to walk away the way that we do? Why do we have to be so unsettled? What, is, what are the issues that we have that we sometimes become so frustrated that we say things we don't mean and do things that we regret and end up in the middle of an aha moment that we wish it was about somebody else and not about ourselves. You know, we know that God cares for us. At least I hope you do. And this is not necessarily a question to any of you about where you happen to stand with God, but I want you to understand, if you don't know that God cares for you, he does. Deeply. Uh, In some contexts, not even able to be measured. And if that doesn't necessarily uh, sift into your thinking, you do understand that there are lots of people who do care about you. And sometimes we forget or we're, uh, those people don't necessarily say the things that they need to say or should say, but that doesn't mean that they don't care. But God has said it, and he, and he does so in so many ways. He truly does care for us. He truly does provide for us, not unlike the father in this story. God has taken such good care of us. Home is a really good place but sometimes we just want to go home is great everything's taken care of but we just want to go after waiting for a while after waiting for God to maybe change the environment a little bit to our liking we decide that we can't wait anymore and we leave sometimes we leave physically sometimes we leave emotionally sometimes it's a weird combination of those two things and a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in there just for the sake of it but we leave and the question I want us to address this morning is why why do we do that it's that question that you ask when you're sitting in the car all by yourself and you may be crying you may just be heavy hearted it's the question when you're sitting in the standing in the middle of a store and everybody's walking around you and even though there are hundreds of people all around you still feel alone Why? Why do people leave? I think the first people first uh, reason is because uh, you just want it. It's an instant gratification. I want it now. That's what the young man said to his father. I want my inheritance right now. 
This is one of the biggest challenges about faith. It it really, really is. Because anybody who's been walking with God, whether it's been a couple of months or a couple of decades, one one of the aspects about a relationship with God is God is... Uh, both the, he, he is at the same time this parent that's immediately connected and a parent that's distantly connected. He's willing to let us step out and stumble if we want to. But if we call out to him, he's not that far away at all. You see, the difference in the young man, the young man wants instant gratification Anybody who's walked with God for a while knows that when you walk with God, it's delayed gratification. And what comes if you wait a while is without exception, always better. Every time. Every time. It just is. We leave because we want it right now. We can't wait. God, I know you might have something better in store for me, but I just, I just can't wait anymore. I, I just, I gotta, I gotta have it, right? Stinking now. We're used to instant messaging, instant meals, instant everything. I mean, good grief. I, I, I suffered from this this morning on the way in. <clears throat> I live uh, on the Norton Taunton line. And uh, I always stop at the Duncan right there, just down the road. And when I, when I pulled in, uh, and I, I even do order on the go, because I can't stand to get out of my car, uh, you know, and, and stand in line. So when I, when I turned into the parking lot and then turned left, I think the line of cars went somewhere into New Hampshire. It was so, there were so many people standing in line. I'm thinking, oh, you've got to be kidding me. All right. And so uh, <clears throat> this, this actually happened. So I said, forget this. Pulled around, parked, got out, of the car, got out of the truck, walked inside. Hi, last name's Wood. Order on the go. She looked at me and she smiled. She said, you couldn't wait. <laughs> nope. I had to have it right now. You know, it would have been just fine. There was nothing pressing for me to get here. But the fact that I was just going to have to wait for it, just kind of... Of course, I know I'm only talking about me. We are saved by Jesus, but we live in a fallen world. And so we wait. We have the hope of heaven, but we're not there yet. And so we wait. We've been promised, like Paul told the church in Rome, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. We get it. But we don't like waiting. It's hard. And after we wait for a while, we get sick of it. And so we either pull our truck into a parking spot and get out and go in, 
or we just leave the Father's house altogether. I've been there. And I strongly believe that some of you have done the same thing. Just couldn't wait. We needed it right then and there. That's the first reason I think why people leave. The second reason I think people leave is the phrase, I deserve it. Entitlement. This is, it sounds arrogant in the beginning, but we can more than rationalize this perspective. God, I have been working for you for a long time. I've studied and I've read and I've been patient. I've seen other people get blessings and I haven't gotten those blessings. God, I'm tired of waiting. So I'm just going to go. I deserve it. I, uh, <clears throat> people who think they deserve it will say that they've earned it. They've been good enough. They compare themselves to others in a whole host of categories. And if one category doesn't, one category doesn't work, we'll find another one that will work for the way that we think to justify leaving. Anybody ever felt like that? Nobody wants to talk about it? It's like a never-ending reel uh, of in and out, back and forth, going through the motions, in and out of church, wondering when you'll ever, le- ever really find the reward that you think God owes you. Happens. Sometimes it's very subtle. Other times it's just stark. I like the way the author puts it. What this mentality forgets is one of the core aspects of living a life saved by grace. We don't deserve it. Sometimes we misunderstand. We, we get grace, especially when we're able to apply it to somebody else's circumstance in life. But when God tries to remind you and me that grace impacts right here, then there's an immediate acknowledgement that there's some things that we don't deserve. And it doesn't matter how often we attend, how much we know, how many good things we do, we're still in the red, so to speak. Grace has that kind of power. When, uh, <clears throat> you see, when we measure grace the way that this particular aspect says uh, that uh, we really deserve it, it, we only need a little bit of grace. Now you, you need, well, we're going to have to go into savings. See? That's, sometimes we, we look at it that way. We, on, we only need a little bit of grace to cover up the stuff that we've messed up with. Everybody else, you know, They need a lot. Like guys who come to church wearing something other than Patriots jerseys. It's okay, Gary. I'm with you, dude. 
See, we, we, we laugh. We laugh at that, but sometimes we think that way. And life really begins to happen with God when we come to understand, wait a second, grace impacts me. Me. And instead of walking around under this dark cloud of guilt, it's, it's wonderfully liberating. Because God's done this for me, I, I don't have to worry about it. I just get to do whatever he tells me to do. I get to live with the blessings that he, that he shows. And you see more. You do. But you've got to get through that false understanding of grace that it's kind of a measured thing. It's one for all. That's the point there. It's not about doing enough good things for a long enough time that we earn the right to leave the Father's house. It's about accepting God's gift of grace that we don't deserve in the first place. Why do people leave the Father's house? Because of instant gratification. I want it now. And because of entitlement, I deserve it. And lastly, I can do it better. Bitterness. Maybe you want to use the word resentment. And this may be actually a combination of the two if you want to look at it this way. That's okay. But the the bottom line is this young man uh, is longing for the opportunity to go out and prove himself. And, and can't necessarily wait for the resources to make that happen. So he's just going to say, you know, I, uh, I want to do this. You know, uh, 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 God, you, you've done a great job taking care of me thus far, but I, I think I can do a better job. I really do. Um, and, and frankly, sometimes when you tell me that I can't go over here or, I, or, or you don't want me to go over there or uh, these people say I could go do this and I could go have some fun, uh, I really think I could have some fun and not necessarily make the same mistakes that they have made. I, I, I think I can do that. I think I can do this a whole lot better. And you know what God says? Okay. And off we go. Off we go. This attitude forgets. And this is, this is so hard at times. That when you give your life to God, that God owns your life. He bought you. See, we, we like the protection of God, but sometimes we don't like the authority that comes with it. And, and for, for as many of us that sometimes resist against that, we know, what, we know exactly what this is like. Exactly. <clears throat> I, don't, I know that many of you don't want to necessarily go back, but let me take you back to 17. Okay? You remember 17, don't you? You remember when at 17 when you'd figured everything out? Remember, remember that right now there's some 17-year-olds going, please don't do this. Please don't go there. But, but we've, listen, if, if you're 17 and, and you're thinking, please don't do that, we've all, we've all done this. Every one of us has done this. Jake, you're not 17 years old, but you will do this, okay? It just, it's just the way that we are. 
All right? We come to our parents and we say, uh, no, I know what I'm doing. <clears throat> I, I've had a job for three months and I just got my license. I know what I'm doing. All right? And we decide that we want this to be like this in the house and we want to have this and want to have that. And <clears throat> what did our parents say to us? Something along the lines of, okay, fine. You want to go do that? Then you go do that. But you go do that in your house. All right? You're not going to do that in my house. And when that argument, it's like, all right. Oh, he pulled out the house card. All right. There he goes. He pulled it out again. And what we did not remember or did not learn as teenagers or even very young adults, we came to understand it doesn't matter how old we are or what stage of life we happen to be in, we're always under someone else's authority. Always. Always. Life with the Father means we surrender to the Father. We sang, John uh, and the team led us very powerfully in that song, I Surrender All. And we sing it, and it's not a new song for the faith. But do you know what happens? We sing, I Surrender All. And then sometimes we walk out the door and say, well, maybe not all. Maybe not all of it. God, you can have these parts, because I'm really not good at those parts. But these couple of things I'm really good at. So I'll just go ahead and take it from here. And the longer we live, the more we come to understand it's so much easier when we give God everything. It's just so much easier. God is a God who allows us to choose Him or not choose Him. And a lot of us, at one time or another, or maybe even today, have chosen to walk away. Because you want it now. Because you deserve it. Or because you can do it better. Here's one of the most fascinating things about God. Just like the father in the story, he'll let us make those statements and he will watch us walk out the door, down the sidewalk, and turn and go. He'll let us do that. He doesn't like it any more than we do when our kids do the same thing or our parents did when we did it. He doesn't like it. And so much more than I knew about my kids or my parents knew about me, God knows exactly where we are headed. And there are parts of his heart that are absolutely crushed, but he knows that we got to go through this. He knows. God is a God who allows us to choose him or to choose to leave him. 
It starts off with a little request, a little control, a little harmless night of fun. You're not trying to tell God that he has no place in your life. You just want to be in charge for a little bit or in charge of a little bit or in charge just tonight, just this weekend, just for this outing, just for a little bit. You're not trying to tell God that he's not the number one source of authority and power in your life, but you'd like to suggest to him that there really is a strong number two. Not trying to tell God that you don't like what he's done. You're not trying to tell God that you don't like the way that he thinks. You're just trying to tell God that he might be wrong about this or about that or about anything else. We may not intend to tell God that we wish he was dead. But sometimes, the things that we say and the things that we do mean just exactly that. And that is the beginning of aha. The truth of the matter is that there's probably a room full right here of people who have left the Father's house. Whatever the reason may have been. Those that I listed or some other that I did not. We've left. We've cried. We have scars. Stories that we've told, some stories that we've never told anybody. And we wish we wouldn't have done that. Like so many stories or movies that we've read, we wish we could go back and tell that young person, don't, don't do this. God really does care about you. He always has. As a matter of fact, he still loves you. Because there's no bad decision that God can't forgive. There's no period of wandering that he can't heal. He wishes, just like you, that you wouldn't have done it, that you wouldn't have said it. But he planned for that. And he provided a savior for that. And the question is not, Have you had an aha moment? The question is, have you talked to God about it? Have you talked to him? Have you shared with him the pain? Because he already knows. Are you prepared for him to just cover it all? The story could end at pain, but God never, if it's up to him, will never let the story end with your pain or my pain. 
it always in his telling ends in glory. Always ends good. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about aha. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about sudden awakening, brutal honesty, and immediate action. And I pray that you're ready to have an aha moment right here and right now. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for being so kind to us. Lord, you're patient. You know at times our stubbornness and our foolishness. Lord, we double down on it. And then we look around and we see other people who are doubling down on their foolishness and we say, no, please don't, please. And you have said to us, no, please don't. I wish you wouldn't go. I wish you would listen. But God, we go and we don't listen. And then maybe it's next week and maybe it's next year, but we come back and we say, I'm so sorry. I wish I wouldn't have. And Lord, you say, I know. And we look up and we don't see an angry God. We see a wonderful Savior who takes us and cleans us up, heals our wounds, and loves us not in spite of what we've done. But in the way that he always has. God, we don't know how to react sometimes. We are caught off guard. But we're so grateful. God, there are people here who need you so much. Who need to be reminded, even if they've heard the story from Luke 15 over and over again, Lord, we're here to be reminded. We're here to be strengthened. And we're here to encourage others who are, through the same, who are going through the same thing. So God, help us. Help us as we go forward to have our awakening. To be honest. And to do something about it. When it's all said and done, We'll give you the credit. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.